Happy Monday, and welcome to Reading the Bible is Easy-ish. I am Hogan Brock, and I said that slower than normal. He's Harrison Litzel. Harrison, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm, uh, I'd am i almost forgotten that this podcast came out on Mondays. Uh, that just shows how, how good we are at this weekly podcast thing. Uh, but I think we've got a better plan now. Um, I, think, I think we'll... I, I don't know why I said that. We said that last time, and then we took three weeks off. Who knows what's going to happen? Enjoy us while we're here. We might be back. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, yeah. We were both going through a number of transitions with work and school and all of those sorts of things. Yeah. So we're doing the best we can. You shared before we got on that someone gave you the advice that to, you know, be successful at this, we should actually do it. Um, so, so here, here we are. Here doing we are. It. We're doing it. We're doing our best. Um, we're going to jump right into the text this week. Um, unlike a lot of weeks, I'm actually preaching on this text next Sunday. Um, so this is, uh, really kind of goes back to the root of where the podcast started, which was talking about the text that the church was going to be using the following Sunday. Uh, so that's true for me. Uh, and so this process will be a part of me preparing for a sermon. So if you've ever thought about that, this is step one for me. I'm not sure a podcast is step one for every preacher, but it is for me this week. Uh, so anyway, it will be in Acts 16, verses 16 to 34. Um, again, Acts 16, starting in verse 16. One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God, who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. But Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake so violent that the foundation of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, since he was supposed to, he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds, and then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them, and he, set, he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. So that's a long narrative there, lots of ups and downs. Uh, so we'll spend a few minutes 
giving some uh, initial thoughts and reaction. Harrison, did you listen to that? Was that a, a familiar story for you? Is it one that you've heard often? Yeah, I could. Both of those stories were familiar, and I kind of gave myself away there by saying both of those stories. I could not have told you that that was the cause and effect of those stories, that the story of um, the slave girl who um, was making money for her masters by prophesying was the reason for Paul and Silas being in prison in Philippi. Um, I know about those stories, but I did not realize they were connected. And so it's interesting to see them in their fullness here and to kind of grapple with all of this in a sermon as, as you're kind of preparing to do. So what about you? What, what are you thinking? Yeah, same. I, I, I knew these stories separately. And when I began, I was curious how the story of the slave girl who like had this kind of prophesying divination uh, thing going on was going to go so long. <laughs> um, yeah. And did not remember at all that it was connected to this. So I'm not sure. Um, there's, there's too much in this whole passage to deal with in a sermon. So I'm, there are a couple of things that caught my attention. Uh, I'm really interested in this last bit uh, after uh, starting like verse 29, after the uh, the earthquake has happened, the doors are opened, and the jailer comes in, and Paul kind of offers this, uh, you know, do not harm yourself, and serves what I'm, what must I do to be saved? But then specifically, the answer: believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Um, and kind of this chain of events that happens after that. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested in the, the back and forth of Paul and Silas are, in a way, the people that saved the jailer's life. Mm. And then the jailer takes and cares for them, washes their wounds, mm, uh, and then yeah. they baptize. And then the jailer gives food. And then his whole household rejoices in that. So there's this back and forth reciprocity that I think is an interesting thing to explore. Um, and then I was reading recently about uh, like early baptismal practices or early kind of conversion practices of, of early Christians and, and after Paul. Um, but all this happens very quickly. Baptism happens mm -hmm. really quick. Um, and we have records of, of the early church that like the, the catechism process takes a long time. Yeah. And so it got my, not that this will go in a sermon, but it got my mind thinking about how did that kind of evolve uh, to baptism becoming something that really is worked towards and then, you know, is quite different again now. Yeah. Yeah, I I hadn't really noticed the the reciprocity there in the, in the second half of the story between the jailer and Paul and Silas. But I think for me, the two kind of things that connect these two cause and effect of the story is... Um, liberation right the the girl is liberated paul and silas are liberated and then they, in turn they liberate the jailer you know from his own hand um and then with reciprocity i was actually talking about this passage recently at at my church at uh, the faith community and in a conversation it was the first time that i'd been in um in a conversation with people that i go to church with where um in the churches that i've grown up in um prophecy wasn't really something we talked about in the churches that I grew up in. If we did talk about it, it was with skepticism um, and, and even close to certainty that it yeah. was not of God. Yeah. Um, but in this conversation, the slave girl's divination, her gift was seen of as from God. Um, this wasn't um, a, a nefarious gift of prophecy or anything like that, but it was divine. Um, so the fact that Paul and Silas liberate her in her speech that is from God from these people making money off of her that that's the sin happening here is the the exploitation of her she hasn't done no wrong through her fortune telling as it's said here 
Um, and so kind of the reciprocity there that she has God in her as well, that Paul and Silas don't bring God to her. She has the divine in her. Um, and so there's that reciprocity of both of them having a connection to God on their own and, and meeting in this place. Um, and that was something that I hadn't seen in that story um, before these recent conversations. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever thought about I, I, well, I'll say this. When I was a teenager or a kid and I heard this story, I was always so confused about mm -hmm. why Paul and Silas got rid of the spirit. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think I ever connected it to the exploitation that yeah. was going on, right? So this this gift of God was being exploited. Uh, this girl was being exploited for the gift. Um, yeah, I don't know why. That's, that's interesting. I'd always read 18... Um, or 17 and 18 when she's proclaiming i was always like why is paul stopping this right like yeah. she's she's doing what paul was trying to do anyway um yeah that's really interesting to me any thoughts about the um i hadn't thought about this being placed in the context of rome um mm. and the argument that that the men make that uh they're advocating customs that are not lawful for us as romans to adopt and observe yeah, that, I mean, that that kind of peaked a little bit of like religious liberty for me, right? Mm -hmm. Of, um, And I don't know the intricacies of the argument being made here on either side. You know, I don't know if this is a charge that is a true charge or not, that they're putting on Paul and Silas, that they're asking them to follow laws um, that are Jewish laws and not Roman laws. But it's just an interesting ongoing conversation of what is the relationship between the laws of um, a religion, the laws of uh, a community, of an empire, um, and specifically for um, us as followers of Jesus, what do we do when the things that we believe to be right conflict with the things that mm. um, the nation we find ourselves in uh, say to be right? And, and how does that kind of play out? And I think that part of what we see here in the story is the by Paul and Silas being released from prison by a divine act, by an earthquake, we kind of see like, okay, they were they were doing the right thing. God took care of them in the end. Mm. Um but yeah, it's it's definitely again, it's a part that I did not know was a part of the story. Um, this kind of quick little legal note as we're going through it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a reminder to me that even though that uh, when we do things that are, um, you know, for the purpose of faith or because we feel it's right, mm -hmm. that feels subversive to what what is going on around us, whether it's a legal matter or it's just a difference of opinion with people. Uh, we're probably not going to get an earthquake <laughs> that, that's God's affirmation of what's going on. Um, but what stands out to one of the things that stands out to me that it is, yes, the earthquake is kind of what pushes things in a direction, but it's, it, it almost feels like a footnote at the end of the mm -hmm. story, uh, that it's the relationship that comes about because of these circumstances that ends up being important. Yeah. Um, and that's the way that God is really working is through the kind of that, that unexpected uh, subversive relationship two people who you would tend to think are in opposition, right? But are actually, uh, I don't know, end up, end up in relationship. I think that's pretty, pretty wonderful. Yeah. If you were, uh, going to spend the rest of this week with this text, every minute of the rest of the week, if you were going to spend more time <laughs> with this text this week, uh, anything that you would, uh, want to look more into or think more about? Yeah, I think I want to, what you were just saying about the, the earthquake is, is a little bit of kind of a footnote that, that there's this kind of miraculous moment where they are free to go and they don't and they stay. And then the point of the end of the story comes from the fact that they stayed. It's not, it doesn't focus on why they stayed or anything like that, but it's the relationship that's there. 
um, and just what that looks like, um, what, what liberation and freedom and miracles and, you know, all of that. Um, and the fact that they, they stayed for another moment and, and the relationship is what came of that. Hmm. Um, I'm not entirely sure what to do with that, um, or where to go with it, but I think that's, that's where I'm going to be. What about you? Yeah. You saying that kind of gave me chills a little bit that just the, there's, um, there are lots of stories of people deciding to stay in the midst of something mm. hard, right? Mm. Like I think of, of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, right? Returning to Nazi Germany and yeah. deciding that's where he's supposed to be or um, I don't know, any number of people. And I think uh, even for myself, as I think about, um, so I th I've thought about like my denominational journey or theological mm. journey, those sorts of things. Uh, there was a time when I felt very strongly that I needed to stay in the Southern Baptist Convention or in, mm -hmm. in Baptist world um to to make something change and so yeah i'm i'm interested in thinking more about that for myself um yeah and maybe just kind of reading what some other people have have, uh, have thought about that particular thing so yeah thanks so that will do it for us this week uh we are going to do our best to be back next monday uh if we're not read your bible either way uh and we'll be back eventually but we are hoping uh, to get on a more regular schedule as harrison said i think we found a better time to record uh so until next time uh, keep trying to read the bible <laughs>